Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. So we, uh, this is a labor of love, isn't it? It sure is. Here we are on a Saturday night after two long soccer games <laughs> in the rain. It was a good day. Digging in. It was a good day. And we're so appreciative of you listening. We're talking about today mm-hmm. how to impact the heart and change behavior in your kids. So um, it yes. really is the heart, not the behavior. In in the moment, we get so tied up about the behavior sometimes, don't we? Yeah, I think that it. we've talked about this so many times just between ourselves, right? Over mm-hmm. the last 19 years of parenting, we have to remind each other not to take things personally, to remember to have realistic expectations of our kids. Yes. Um, because they, when they're little, they are not saved yet. Yeah. And they don't have the element of knowing the Lord, knowing his word, being able to have self-control and preach to themselves and all those things, right? Yeah. So... I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's a very practical day podcast on how to really engage your kids' hearts. We're going to talk about some important things. We are. And it's such a busy life these days, isn't it? I mean, there's so many things that can occupy our time. And if you really audit your parenting and your spouse's parenting as well, and then you reflect on the rhythm of your week and you really look at each day, Mm-hmm. How much is just surfacey conversations versus heart to heart conversations, eye to eye, eye contact, right? Yeah. Where you're really connecting soul to soul, actually. You know, you're hearing their heart, you're seeing their countenance. Yeah. You're speaking to their mind. And we, it seems yeah. like we have an ebb and flow of really being intentional about this. And then life catches up to us. There's all kinds of things going on. Yeah. And, we ab away from having those deep conversations well, and then that, we get reminded yeah. and go back. Right. And I think that the the enemy wants us to be so caught up in so much busyness that we don't have the time. Yeah. I think. But I don't really I don't know if most people recognize that as the challenge, right? So many people want to say, oh, quality time is more important than quantity time. Well, if you don't have quantity time, you can't go deep. You can't. So now how do you do that with a busy schedule? Well, you have to analyze what you're busy doing. And is it really more important than quantity time sometimes with your kids Mm -hmm. to have those deep conversations? We'll talk about that. Give some practical tips. And there's ways to do it while you're busy. That's right. I was going to say invite your kids to do some things with you, right? How many times have I taken kids to work with me in past or car rides are a big deal? Yeah. Lots of stuff. So we're going to give you some practical tips here because open communication with your kids, that's what this breeds. It breeds more trust, deeper relationship, mm-hmm. open communication. How crucial is that in today's society? Well, the reality is, is that most people are so antisocial because they spend so much time on social media thinking they're being social, right? But in reality, they are not practicing 
real life face-to-face communication as often, Yeah. right? Because it's just faster to text somebody. So even True. the ability to be on the phone and call somebody and have a conversation for kids yeah. is harder if they're not trained in that. And so the reality is, is if you're not doing it, chances are your kids are not doing having face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversations with anybody. Yeah. And they're not learning how to be real and transparent and to have deep, meaningful conversations Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I think that today this topic is relevant more than ever Yeah. because we are the first generation of parents parenting kids who have potentially been raised in a generation where being social is actually hard. It is hard. Yeah. yeah. Especially so, in a respectful kind of way. Yeah. So we're going to jump in. We have four keys for you. Yes. Uh, and we tend to get even more practical the deeper we go into the episode. So uh, hang on and take notes if you can. If you're driving, yes. don't take notes. That'd be a bad idea. So, but uh, I do want to say thank you if you've given us a five star rating. All it takes is one tap on iTunes to do that. If you're elsewhere, I'm not sure how the ratings work, but feel free. That would totally yeah. help the movement, the One Million Legacies movement. Um, it is a big deal. We're committed to it and we're excited and that helps. And if you've given us a written review, wow, we read every single one. Mm-hmm. So powerful. By the way, uh, that was amazing having Megan on the episode with you last week. Oh, I, I was not on the episode and yeah. she filled in for me. Yeah. And I have to say, I think a lot of ladies liked it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. If you sent me a message and just shared how that was refreshing to you or, yeah. um, I, I got so many amazing messages and I was yeah. able to share those with Megan and it was such a huge encouragement to her. She actually really enjoyed doing that with me. Yeah. She was scared too at first. And that was and on she almost backed out. Raising strong and submissive daughters. Right. And we yeah. we got into the definitions of strong and submissive. We talked about what the Bible says, read a bunch of scriptures. She had some wise things some to things. say. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. You actually had a post on Instagram that I think is worthy of mentioning. Whoa. Okay. And, well, it's regarding this topic. Mm. And if you guys don't follow Isaac at Resolute Man, I think it's Resolute.Man on Instagram. Mm. He has this post where it's a picture of him and Megan and Kelsey, our 19 and almost 15-year-old. She's 14 now. Um, and he said, I shouldn't have to say this. <laughs> you know where I'm going. I shouldn't have to say this, but you need to pour into your daughters or educate them. And equip. it's just equip them. It's just as important as it is equipping your your sons. Yeah. And you're right. You shouldn't have to say it today. But the truth is, is that there are different camps that people land in regarding education of women. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that even among like the homeschooling movement or even within the Christian community, some people don't invest in their daughters in the same way that they invest in their sons because they think that they oh they're just gonna they're just gonna get married tra- and I think have it's a tragedy. Kids. Yeah. And that really frustrates us. We've never had that perspective. We're not patriarchal at all and have never been but of that ideology. But we are for biblical roles in marriage, of course. Of course. I mean, you guys, if you listen to the podcast, you even heard Megan. She was so excited. She was like, <laughs> I'm just excited to be a wife and a mom. And and I love that. She's always been that way. I love that about her. And I, you know, but that doesn't mean I don't educate her. So my perspective is I'm educating her so she can 
one, be smart as yeah. a woman and be discerning. So she's equally yoked to the man that God has for her. And she's going to attract a different kind of person if she's educated than if she's not. Yep. And we want her to marry someone who is educated and, and knows the Lord and is able to think logically and quick yeah. and have wisdom. Yeah. But also she's going to be raising our grandkids. That's right. And educating them. So important. And yeah. by the way, we want to give you something free, which is the free parent to courageous parenting workshop. If you go to courageousparenting.com, hit mm. podcast, yeah. you'll get this episode and there'll be a link and a picture there where you can um, sign up for that free 30 minute or so workshop. Mm -hmm. People are raving about it, literally raving about this thing. So praise yeah. God on that. And it's totally free. It does show the parenting mentor program right at the end, but you get an inside look into that if you had ever had questions or were interested in that. Also the free date night one sheet, which you can get from mm -hmm. getting on our email email list at CourageousParenting.com. A pop-up will appear and you can sign up for it. You can also sign up for it at the blog post too. So yeah. just want to let you know. So let's dive into this. Okay. We're, the first thing is heart, not behavior. So Matthew 15, 18 through 20. And uh, we have, right, is this 15? Yep, yes. there we go. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, um, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Mm -hmm. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So the heart is super important mm -hmm. and it naturally is wayward. Right. And I think that that's what we were mentioning at the beginning of the podcast was that it's important that we have realistic expectations of our children. Yeah. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And so when we understand the current condition of our child's heart, we have a different perspective, but we also have different expectations. Yeah. Those are two different things, right? So true. And both are important that you have realistic expectations, biblical expectations of your kids. You're not expecting them to be um, having the reactions and symptoms of a very spiritually mature person mm -hmm. when they don't even know the Lord, right? Yeah, like, yeah. or, or they are maybe three years old and you're introducing them to God and you're discipling them and you're reminding them of the right way of things. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like we have to just be patient. Yeah. And I think that because of busyness, you mentioned busyness. I think that's one of the main reasons why people have a hard time being patient. Oh yeah. It's inconvenient. Because tending to the heart takes more time. If you're yeah. just looking at the behavior, you can discipline however you do that and you can move on with things. Mm -hmm. But that is a short-term approach if that's all you're doing. In the process of correction, we need to be speaking to the heart. And we also need to be speaking the heart during peacetime. I call it wartime and peacetime. I don't know if you like that or not, but it, you know, mm -hmm. if we're only speaking to the heart when our kid did something wrong during, you know, challenging times, yes, that's not the great greatest. We want to speak to the heart when yeah. we're having great times together. Yeah, exactly. I actually really like how you worded that with wartime and peacetime because the reality is a war is a battle. And it's the battle against the flesh mm -hmm. or the battle against the temptations of the world or a battle against our enemy. It really is True. a battle. It, there's really no other way to look at it. So, yeah. um, but I, I think that it's important that we equip our kids for that actually. Mm -hmm. And that's part of helping them to lead their heart. Yeah. Right. The Bible does say that the heart is deceitful above all things. Right. Yeah. Who can know the heart. Right. Yeah. And so I, I just think that if we have a realistic perspective of humanity, 
but also have a realistic perspective of children. Yeah. Right. Then it changes everything instead of expecting them to just know what's right. Even if you've told them 20 times, Mm -hmm. you go, "Mm, they're still learning. Mm -hmm. It's not a habit yet. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, there isn't a heart connection there yet. Mm-hmm. They don't have a conviction as to why they should do the right thing yet, mm-hmm. right? And so that's part of the discipleship process is Amen. that you actually are discipling them to have a heart of wanting to obey God. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that process, you know, the reality is, is when we see our kids acting out, like I just think about our three-year-old and our one-year-old, yeah. right? When they don't get their way, for example, and they lose emotional self-control, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How I respond will either ha- have an impact on them in a way where they calm down or they escalate. Yeah. Drastically. They mirror you. Yeah. And I, there are a lot of times when moms will ask us questions or dads will ask us questions regarding anger, right? Mm-hmm. We have a parenting podcast on the angry parent, right? And how to diffuse anger in your it's parenting. the most popular episode. Yeah. And Which tells you something. Yeah. So I think a lot, everyone has dealt with this at some point yeah. in their parenting um, because parenting is sanctifying. It does require us to look inward to ourselves, to our own hearts first and go, search my heart, oh God. Is there any wayward way in me? And when we're able to do that, then we can actually teach our kids how to do that. If yeah. we can't do that, there's no way we're able to teach our kids to do that. Yeah. Actually. Right? We're not walking in love. Can you walk in love with somebody that's disobeying you or treating you poorly? Yes. Actually, the Bible mm-hmm. says to do that. Right. And so you're taught. That's kind of what you're talking yeah. about. If you're not walking in love, how can you communicate to their heart and one way of walking in love is truthfully having i mean i we keep saying realistic expectations but i think of um like my expectations of a brother or sister in christ who's same season of life maybe right Mm -hmm. who i've been walking in fellowship with i have different expectations of them to be living out right pursuing righteousness right Mm -hmm. living what they preach um I have a different expectation of them than I do someone who I know is not walking with the Lord. Mm. And it's easy for me to have a different kind of grace and compassion on them, on this person over here who doesn't know the Lord, who maybe is an atheist, who is struggling with self-control and anger issues or whatnot, because of course they don't. They don't have the Holy Spirit. How could I expect them to have the fruits of the spirit that this person over here has Mm -hmm. when they actually don't have the Lord? Mm -hmm. Because it's the Lord who helps us to have self-control in those times when the three-year-old's melting down. So what's the goal of parenting? It's that your kids come to know God and that they send out with a great commission mindset Mm -hmm. to share the good news and live their life being ambassadors for Christ. You know, it's interesting you know, this phrase that I've been saying to myself lately regarding just even, we just planted a home church and, Mm -hmm. and, and just women's ministries. I've been like, yeah, the women don't need Angie. They need Jesus. (laughs) Like I just, and I keep like preaching that to myself, but actually this is an important phrase that moms need to memorize because your kids don't need mom. They need Jesus. Yes. And in those times when you are sitting there dealing with a child and you feel like you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. Yeah. 
that's when you go, they don't need me to say something right. right. They need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have all the right things to say and all the 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 proper things to do but we yeah. need to be careful um that we're not trying to disciple our children to be like us but we're trying to disciple them up in the lord yeah and so um, and, it, and it takes element. it takes um a long-term approach to do this well mm -hmm. the short-term approach is just to discipline behavior oh there's bad behavior i want to change it and you're almost doing it in your own will how futile is that to believe that in your own strength, you can actually change a human being? Like we don't even have that power. We don't have to that power. To change somebody's heart attitude to that, like you, that's really what you're saying because the behavior is actually a symptom of an issue in, in their the heart. heart. Yeah. And so you may like discipline for, I don't know, saying a bad word, yeah. right? But the reality is, is you need to ask the question, why is that child saying that bad word? Yeah. And now right? we believe in discipline. Trust me. Super important piece. But it is just a piece of the equation. And if you're missing the approach mm -hmm. of their heart and seeing the issue is not the behavior that's bothering you and your agenda and what you wanted to get done. So you're impatient and then you say yes. the wrong things. Instead, you're like, that is a little frustrating. But then you maybe say a prayer to yourself to have self-control. Right. And then you go, this is deeper. This is about their disobedience to authority. And if they don't obey me, how are they going to obey God someday? Well, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge issue that has massive ramifications for their whole life because they will struggle with having respect for authority at, at any point in their life, yeah. regardless of if it's a boss or a police officer that pulls them over for going over the speed limit. Like we have to be teaching our kids to be able to submit to the right authority. So the right? point is there's no shortcuts. Either you're tending to the heart and yeah, discipline's part of that. Or But it doesn't end there. Yeah. Or you're just looking at the behavior and trying to fix it in your own strength. And you're going to be so frustrated. And exhausted. And unfortunately, yes. they're just going to be obedient when they're around you because there's no heart change. Okay. And then there'll be different people around other people. Oh man, Isaac, you, that is a soapbox. You know how we both have this. <laughs> so if you've ever experienced witnessing a child, like maybe do or say the right things when they know people are watching, but then when they don't know someone's watching and you, it's like I spy and you see them being disrespectful and stealing something from another kid or yeah. having a mean face or glaring at somebody or any of those kinds of like, no, the real fruit is actually in how that child actually is behaving when no one is looking. When no one is looking is the key. It's, it's the secret sin. Like if there are secret sin mm -hmm. that's unrepentant, big issues, and, right? Yeah, and too many parents have those rose tinted glasses on. So right. you got to pull those off and we got to be realists here. And okay. um, now God's love is key. So without love. First mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter 13, verse four says, love suffers long mm. and is kind mm -hmm. that's convicting i mean are we kind to our children when they struck when they're struggling with something like clearly they're emotionally lacking self-control yeah are we kind mm -hmm. in how we're talking to them love does not envy love does not parade itself is not puffed up does not behave rudely just do it because i said so Right. That's puffed up or rude. Or, or even just snapping at your kids and being like literally rude in a way where 
So I ask myself this question often. Am I talking to my kids the way I would talk to so-and-so? That's convicting. Yeah. Like if, or are you talking to, would you talk to your kids the way you're talking to them if somebody else was in your house watching you? There's another accountability question. Yeah. And if you can't say yes, then you have work to do. Yeah. And I think we all have work to do. We do. do. Yes. So love does not seek its own, is not provoked. Mm. Oh, love is not provoked. Interesting. Because I, you know, the verses in Colossians and Ephesians that say fathers do not provoke Provoke your children's anger. Yeah. It's interesting because there have been many times where I've thought, man, why isn't there a verse in there that says, children, do not provoke your parents to exhaustion and frustration. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I've wondered that because how many times do you feel like the way your kids are reacting is provoking you? There is obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So it kind of gets at it, but. Yeah, but when they don't do that, it is provoking something yeah. in a parent, right? Because yeah. there is an element of um, offense mm-hmm. that, on that level. Whereas like when it's just the child's sin and they're dealing with sin, parents oftentimes will become personally offended when it's not an offense to them. Mm-hmm. So there's an importance to have a distinction there, right? Yeah. Um, but this says it's not provoked. Love is not provoked. Interesting. So if we're to love our kids, we will not become provoked. In Where that things escalate because yes. we're provoking. We have an edge to us. Maybe that's why the Bible doesn't we're say losing, that parents are provoked, actually, because they should be loving their children. We're getting frustrated. Does we're God get angry. provoked? Hmm, that's interesting. Because as the Father in heaven, and we're supposed to mimic him, yeah. actually, and how we are parenting our children... I don't see him as one that gets provoked by his children. But anyway, um, so love does not rejoice in iniquity, Mm. but rejoices in the truth. What is the truth? The truth is not my truth. It's not Isaac's truth. It's not your truth. It's the truth in the Bible. And that is the only thing that love rejoices in. So when you love your child... It doesn't mean that you're going to overlook their sin. It means that you're going to rejoice in the truth. You're going to rejoice and thank you, Lord, for showing me this sin so that I can deal with it now when this Mm -hmm. is a young child so that pride doesn't overcome them and ruin their life and legacy. Yeah. Right? Like having perspective, long-term perspective. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Now, that's often read at a wedding. It was at our wedding, um, but we decided to use that for parenting because it perfectly applies also. Mm-hmm. So we should be approaching relationship mm-hmm. with the kids in love. You know, it's interesting. If they just scroll down a few more verses to verse 11 in the same chapter, it says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. Mm. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. This is a good verse for perspective yeah, on childhood. Kids are foolish that's why parents are needed they speak as children yeah they understand as children mm. we no longer do because right. we've put away those childish things that's why god's put us in authority over them because yeah. children don't know what's best for them parents do yeah parents have a massive massive influence yeah. and so let's never just go i'm doing all i can when in reality we're not using the bible with our kids and we're not mm-hmm. and we're exasperating our kids and all those things i think that we should always have a fresh sober-minded perspective of i could do better not in a way of feeling guilty or feeling down not at all 
we should just move forward in strength and try and do better, mm-hmm. uh, including God and our parenting. Mm-hmm. Super important. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So just speaking of kids being you know, foolish, if we are not yeah, working with them to yield mm-hmm. to wisdom, mm-hmm. then when they're older, they, it's the likelihood that they're going to yield to God's wisdom is going to be harder. Yeah. It's still possible, but it's harder, okay? Let's go to point two. Awesome. Heart conversations. Now, this is something that I've gotten better at over the last 19 years of parenting, primarily actually because of your encouragement. You're really good at asking questions, which Mm. is one of the biggest parts of heart conversations, okay? And so you, you went to Western Seminary, did some coaching classes to get a coaching degree and started coaching business years ago. And I kind of read through some of your books because mm-hmm. as you were coaching entrepreneurs, their wives wanted to be coached. And that was fun. And I kind of helped you. I kind of coached you. You coached me in how to coach because yeah. coaching is different. It's not talking at somebody. It's asking the right questions to get them to come to the conclusion of the change that they need to make because people are more willing to make change when it's their idea, not when someone's telling them what to do. So follow through is really hard when someone tells you what to do. Now, kids should, but why not make it easier on them and help them own their things they're going to do if they have a personal conviction and a personal like if it was their idea they're much more likely to want to follow through with it yeah right so this starts with having a desire to have deeper relationship and deeper conversations with your kids yeah so that desire has to be there because if the desire is not there the busyness of life and your agenda will get right in the way and the reality is no one likes being talked at no. No one does. It's not a respectful way to communicate. You mean kids weren't born just like, I'm ready for my parents just to talk at me for the rest of the life? Lecture, 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 lecture. No. No. No, I don't even like that. No. Nobody likes that. And so I I just think that we need to treat our children as we would want to be treated. And mm-hmm. obviously, no human being likes being told what to do. Like, this isn't passive parenting, by the way. You are the authority. Right. You are the parent. But we're talking about communication strategy that just works with human beings. And sometimes we forget the kids are actually human beings. <laughs> I, know that, I know that sounds weird. No, but, but it's <laughs> true. People don't. They don't treat them like they would another adult or whatever. Yeah. You know, and we're not. And you are the parent. Um, I oftentimes t- remind myself I'm the mom. <laughs> now we're going to talk about uh, kind of the structure of how to ha- go deep with your kids in conversation, practical ways. Uh, but first, one of the ways um, we can afford to do the ministry is because we can announce things that are for sale and going on. And one of those things that's having the biggest impact in the ministry right now is the parenting mentor program. Mm-hmm. So if you want that curriculum of 10 hours spread out over time, self-paced, I encourage you to check out uh, and be in the next group with us mm-hmm. in the parenting mentor program. Here's some uh, parents that have gone through it. Let's listen real quick. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. 
This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. So cool. Uh, that program is fun. And what's neat is the Facebook group, just being able to interact with people. Well, and people have been coming to visit us. We literally just oh, yeah. spent time with a couple that was in our program back when we first started the very first program and they came and visited us. Oh, yeah. Yesterday we went the and had dinner with them. Yeah, you'll actually see them in the testimonial. And it was really fun to meet them in yeah, person. Yeah, they're, they're one of those. Uh, so anyways, uh, so cool. So let's go into the art of question asking. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that compliment, by the way. That was really nice. Um, well, it's true. I Some personalities are better at asking questions, but I don't have that personality type. However, the encouragement is if you know what your personality type is, don't let it um, fence you into a corner where you're not growing. Instead, now, you can go, I'm not good at it, so I need to get better at it. Here, I'll give you just a hint. If you're the kind of person that processes by talking out loud, you might have a challenge asking questions. If you're the kind of person where if one or two seconds passes by without somebody talking in a conversation and you have to talk to fill the silence, you might have a hard time asking <laughs> questions and doing you a coach approach. The video to see <laughs> so I, mean, I could go on on this, right? Yes, yes. We're all wired very differently and understanding that's important. But I think all of us, no matter how we're wired, can have a hard time sometimes knowing what to do. I'm going to make it so simple for you. Mm -hmm. This is ask three questions deep. Isn't it true? Now, this is, this is, we're talking about peacetime for a second here. You're riding the car with your kid and you're going somewhere. And instead of the music, you turn Mm -hmm. it down because what a unique, rare opportunity one-on-one with your kid. Maybe the younger ones sleeping in the back or something. Okay. And you're chit-chatting or someone's in the back seat and you're talking to them. Well, when you first go, hey, how's soccer? Or how is it hanging out with your buddy, Joe? Good. <laughs> and Or how did you like church last week? It was good. <laughs> and, 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 and then you're like, oh, is that a deep conversation? No, no. Don't you do the same thing. How was your day? Oh, it was good. Fine. Fine. Don't you do that to each other? Yeah. Because we're all, we've been conditioned to wait to see if someone is really interested in what's going on by asking a follow-up question. So we're naturally prone to that, your kids as well. So now they say good about church and you go, oh, well, good. Tell me more about what you liked. There's the second question on the same thing. And I just want to make note that the question that you asked was not a yes or no, good or fine answer kind of question. Super important. It's actually a question that requires them to have a more thoughtful answer. Yeah, never ask yes or no questions. That is a question where someone could just say yes or no to. Yep, and not be transparent or real. Yeah. So you have to be kind of creative with this and, and be thinking of ways that you could ask Two, three questions deep. So let's say now they they say a few things they liked about church. You go, you know what? I noticed something that you were a little bit quiet when 
this kid was near you and you're near this other kid. Is everything okay there? Yeah, just even taking time to, but you have to observe. Do you see how in that question it required Isaac to have actually observed our child that he's talking to in a scenario or a circumstance with other kids to be able to ask that question? That's why the first step is you have to desire it. If you do not desire to have heart conversations, go deep with your kids, you're going to not notice the things you need to notice to have the conversation later in the car, yeah. to be able to go three questions deep. And then they really know you're interested mm-hmm. and they're like, whoa, my mom really knows me. So this is a really Isn't big that what deal. We want? Oh yeah. Okay. So the whole, he really knows me. She really knows me. That is the, I would say one of the biggest things that teenagers actually complain about their parents not knowing them. They don't know it me. is the biggest complaint. Hey, I remember feeling that way too. And it wasn't it wasn't all my parents like I didn't open up. I didn't have that modeled for me and how to be transparent, right? Mm-hmm. Like other kids that I was in association with were not doing it. Yeah. Right? We're not open or close to their parents. And so I just think that there is an element of you have to cultivate a culture within your family where there are deeper relationships. And the reality is, is if you're not good at deep relationships, period, then you're probably not going to be good at having a deep relationship with your kids. So this is something that you have to work on yourself also. Right. Because we can't expect our kids to be like transparent and honest and have a teachable heart and want to grow and change in their sin and confess and admit their sins if we aren't doing that. And by the way, just a quick story. Um, I was running a business where there was literally thousands of people in this organization and there was managers running offices Mm -hmm. and we were doing very well in the environment. There's 40 organizations like ours. We were like top two each year Mm -hmm. uh, around five million in revenue. And. I, like Angie said, went and got some coach training because I thought I was coaching my managers and having those kind of conversations. But there's more to coaching, by the way, than the three questions deep. But but I went and learned and I go, you know what? I'm actually not coaching my leaders. And I started coaching my leaders, which I gave you one piece to. And we went to 10 million when the economy was crashing in 2008, 2009, 2010 in revenue. And a large part of that was really getting deep with my leaders. And it took listening. Yeah. Like you have always, this is just me observing you over the last 20 years, but Isaac has always been really good at listening. And so it's not just that you ask the question, it's that you also are willing to have that long pause of quietness, willing to listen and let them process the question to really, truly mm. be able to answer it in a tr- from a transparent place, which yeah. is what, what you need. Like if you're teaching a child how to search their heart, mm-hmm. isn't it going to take more than five seconds to search their heart and be willing to share the thing that's bothering them? And that is a really good point you bring up. I'm glad you did because silence is good. If you don't ever ask questions and there's long silence with you and your kids, Mm -hmm. it means you haven't asked something provocative enough to cause them to really think and say something. Right. And you might have asked it, but if you're uncomfortable with that pause and you feel it, then it's like... I've made that mistake I don't, many times. My mom doesn't know me. Like I was about to say something and then she just went and talked about herself. 
Yeah, or moved on to the next question. Yeah. Right? Because if you think that maybe your question was And dads do this too. too. If you think maybe your question was too deep or too scary and your kid's taking too long, you're uncomfortable waiting for them to answer. Yeah. And then you ask another question too soon, then that's not healthy either. But in James 1.19, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Don't we want to produce the righteousness of God in our kids? For sure we do. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So first of all, this is also a warning as parents, right? Like the wrath of man, the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't produce it in the person that's angry and it doesn't produce it in the person that they're angry at either, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a real lesson to be learned in this. This particular scripture was super convicting to me when we had our, just even a few years ago, um, because I was really struggling Um, with having trained myself as a mom who was a homeschool mom. I was teaching constantly. And so I trained myself to be good at teaching. Mm -hmm. And I did not continue in being purposeful and listening. Mm -hmm. And so it became hard for me to actually listen because I was always trying to be so purposeful and make sure my kids were being equipped and teaching, teaching, teaching. And it became a problem. And so for you moms out there, I would pose the question, why don't you ask your kids if they think you're a good listener? That's a good idea. And a lot of times, haven't you heard the same old story? If you have several kids, especially, okay, I've heard that before. Okay, I know what you're about to say. And when you know what someone's about to say that you have authority over, you can kind of take them for granted a little bit. And you go, I know what you're about to say. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. But sometimes it's actually wrong, and that's not what they were going to say. And I found that. Even if you're right, if people can't actually say it, they will break down inside. Mm -hmm. It's not that you know it or don't know it. It's that people are able to actually communicate with you. And if you do that too much, when it really matters and they do need to talk to you, they probably won't. The hardest part about this, too, is that what's happening is that you as a parent have conditioned yourself to think that you already know what your kids are going to do. And let's say you're right. I mean, I'm right a lot of the time. You are. But you're right that it it shuts the child down to where they stop trusting that they're ever going to be able to get their full thought out, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really a sad place to be in a relationship because not only have you conditioned yourself to always think that you know what your kids are going to say – they have conditioned themselves to think my mom's not going to listen. And that can be a really dangerous place for your relationship. It will be the biggest wall, the biggest barricade for going deep in conversations with your kids and actually knowing their hearts. So let's go. Oh, before we move on, actually, people probably want to know, well, in discipline, Mm -hmm. how do I know their hearts? So we talked about peacetime. Why don't you talk about wartime for a second? Just real quick. Right. So this is an interesting topic. I mean, we talk about this a lot more in depth in the Parenting Mentor Program. We have an entire video on disobedience. Ten steps to discipline. Right. Yeah. yeah, The ten steps to biblical discipline. And I think that 
there's no way I can cover all of that in a podcast. But just give a tidbit. I I would say that it starts from developing a habit of taking a time out, take a deep breath, get down to your kid's level right when they're young, when they're 18 months old. I'm talking getting on your knees and you teach them to start putting their hands on your cheeks. This is huge. So that you can make eye contact. I don't know if you noticed, but I did it with Solomon at the soccer game today. I saw that. perfect. Yeah. I mean, he was having a meltdown because he wanted to use an umbrella, which was actually causing a huge barricade (laughs) for the lady sitting next to him. She couldn't see the soccer game. And dad from four chairs away was like, Solomon, you can't have that. And he melted down because it was during nap time. We yeah. hadn't eaten a full lunch. We were in between soccer games. So we, he wasn't set up for success. Yeah, we set him up for failure. Yeah. And so um, he started melting down. But yeah. immediately he calmed down as soon as he made eye contact with mom. And part of it was Solomon, come to me, come to me. And he stood right in front of me. He put his hands on my cheeks and we were eye to eye, same facial level. I wasn't intimidating in any kind of way because we were face to face, eye to eye. And he just, he knows that that's when he's supposed to calm down. And so he did. He took some deep breaths on his own. I don't even have to do it with him anymore yeah. because he's so used to it. He just comes right up and puts his hands up there. And that took probably maybe... I love it. He does it to me months. too. Sometimes I don't even ask him to, and he just no. Does I know it. he does it to me every time, and then he calms down. It's yes. like a conditioned thing, and then it helps yes. us to stay calm too. Right, because they're so sweet. When you've got little three-year-olds' hands on your cheeks, you can't be mad. But also, it's it's important because you realize they're it's like a mirror image, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking eye to eye, and the Bible actually says that the eye is the view to the person's soul, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I see his sadness, it's that he felt like he was misunderstood. He was told he couldn't do something after I told him that he could, and he wanted to communicate. So that put him in a pl- safe place, a safe little circle with just mommy and him to be able to talk. And if you start that when they're young, it's easier when they're teenagers because they've already had the track record of having that connecting time with mom all growing up. And so if you have young kids, that's just one practical tip. And how does that get to his heart? How is that tending to his heart versus behavior? Because he knows that what I care about is what's in his heart. If I'm not just immediately talking about the thing he did wrong. Mm -hmm. If I'm taking time to just wait patiently for him to calm down and to go, can you tell me with your words calmly? Can we talk? Can, you need to have emotional self-control. And you talk them through these things. You're teaching them what emotional self-control is by mm-hmm. using that term, yeah. right? Which is so important for kids, for you to give them the right vocabulary so that they can practice that. I mean, today he actually goes, I know, I'm trying to have emotional control. I'm trying. As he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> He's so you know, cute. and it. He did a really good job. He did great. And I he immediately calmed down and then he said, Okay, mom. And I said, It's okay if you use the umbrella only if you're behind dad. And he just didn't want you blocking that person and you weren't listening to him because you started crying. Can yeah. you go say you're sorry? And so yeah. it, you know, they are able to hear you better when they're not screaming. Yeah, such a good example. So third thing is nothing is a tab is taboo to talk about. So if there's anything that's off the table for your kids to talk to you about, you're going to run into problems. Mm -hmm. So that means as they get older, at some point, you guys are going to have to talk about masturbation. At some point, you're going to have to talk about pornography. Mm -hmm. At some point, you're going to have to talk about... All kinds of things. 
all kind of puberty yeah. things. You're going to have to talk about, um, you know, even when they're young, you're going to have to talk about um, gender identity things. Yeah. And, and you're going to have to talk about boundaries and teach them what is a good touch and what's an, a not good touch, right? Yeah. A bad touch. So that if anyone Safety. ever tries to touch them in a way that they should not be, your kid needs to know how to identify that so that they can come and tell you, right? Yeah. So you have to be able to have these conversations with your kids. But if you can't even talk to them about their heart attitude when they're melting down when they're three, how in the world are they ever going to come to you when they're six or seven and someone has potentially touched them in the wrong spot and and also manipulated that child into thinking that it was their fault? Or what if they have a friend and they love hanging out with them, but they hang out with other friends that aren't so good. And does is your kid motivated now to not tell you about the other bad friends that are a bad influence on him because yeah. he wants to keep hanging out with them? Or does he tell you he, I know. at risk of not being able to hang out with the friend he does like? And so yeah. we have experienced actually that our kids tell us everything. Yeah. And why? A lot more than most parents <laughs> think they do. So and then, why? Because yeah. we, from early ages, we've been transparent and we've uh, proactively initiated transparency mm -hmm. saying you can tell us anything i preframe hey at some point you might see something that's not good on a friend's device or on a billboard or somewhere and i want you to talk to us about it if you ever see something mm -hmm. yeah. because we're your coaches we're your parents that yeah. can help you yeah it's it's really important that your kids feel safe with you versus like walking on eggshells like yeah. if they did something wrong, they're going to be in trouble automatically. And I think that one of the important things that parents need to realize is that if they overreact immediately, like the minute that their kid tells them something's wrong, then that closes that door for their kid ever coming to them with anything. And then it's so important to pray. You can't win in your own strength. We said right. that in the beginning. Yeah. You will not win the parenting battle in your own strength. You have this all-powerful God that loves your kids. He actually is the ultimate father of your kids. Yes. And, and so it is so important that your whole goal is to point them to God. And one of the best ways to do that is to pray with your kids and pray for your kids. You know, I think that, so this fourth topic that we're just talking about, which is prayer, the heart of it is that a lot of parents, they want to not just impact the heart, but they really want to change the heart. And we can't change anybody's heart, but the Holy Spirit can. Mm -hmm. So we need to be interceding on behalf of our child yeah. for the Lord to do his work in their heart, mm -hmm. do his work in their mind, yeah. do his work in their soul, right? There's that, um, there's a need for us as parents to, in humility, understand our lack of of ability mm -hmm. to be honest with what we can do for our child and what we can't do for our child. And what we can do is we can disciple them. We can introduce them to the Lord. We can lead them to the Lord over and over again. We can teach them about sin. We can teach them about repentance. We can teach them about forgiveness. We mm -hmm. can show them forgiveness, yeah. right? There are so many things that we can do as parents, but we cannot actually change a wretched heart. Only the Lord can do that. And so that reality puts parents in the proper position, which is a heart posture that is knelt down before the Lord, 
on a daily basis, praying for their kids, praying for their kids' friends, praying for their relationship with their child, right? Like if you are a parent and you just so desire to have an intimate relationship with your kid where they are sharing those hard things with you and you are like, I don't know, I've messed up. Now, I just want to encourage you to pray because God can restore what the enemy has stolen over the years, but it's going to require humility in prayer. I often get asked, what is your favorite leadership books? And I have ones that are non-faith-based that I like. But I'm going to give you one right now, dads, um, and and moms too, if you you like. It's called Spiritual Leadership Leadership. by Henry Blackaby. And the the Mm -hmm. biggest key, he says, for leaders in business is that they're on their knees praying for their people. Mm -hmm. And who are the most important people in your life? They're your kids. Yeah, and, that book is And phenomenal. you're the leader. Yeah. And so we need to be praying for our kids yeah. and with our kids. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.